Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the Series one by one. There are no spoilers for future episodes, but full spoilers for episodes we've already discussed and are discussing. Crawling out of a grave for the second time this season, I'm Harrison. And I really hope that uh, you guys react to our recaps of episodes the way that Giles has reacted to a recap of season six. (laughs) I'm Jason. Uh, Harrison, what episode are we watching today? We are watching Buffy Season 6, Episode 22, the season finale, Grave. This is the one where Willow tries to destroy the fucking world, uh, and uh, salvation comes from an unexpected source. Unless you've been paying attention to this character's arc over the last three episodes. (laughs) And then it's like, oh yeah. Grave was written by David Fury and was directed by James A. Contner and originally aired on May 21st, 2002, I believe. This is the first Buffy season, and probably only Mm -hmm. uh, Buffy season finale that is not written and directed by Joss Whedon. That is correct. Um, And I believe that was true of the premiere, too, maybe? I don't remember. That was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, so much has happened in our lives so since then. <laughs> I live in a totally different house. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> All right, hit it. Jason. Harrison. We've got a, a new drink today. We do. This is, what was the brand? Lindemann's. Lindemann's Frambois. It's a raspberry beer. Um, this is one of my favorites, and um, I got this bottle for Christmas. Um, I love raspberries and raspberry flavored things, so um, this is muy delicioso. I've had a bit of a taste. Yeah. Also agree. Muy delicioso. Yeah. So... A toast to getting through a tough season to talk about. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of heavy things, a lot of um, depressing shit to talk about. And I do think we'll have a bit of an easier time discussing season seven. Um, although. <laughs> Angel season four might be a bit different in that regard. Yeah. We're kind of flopping seasons of like, as far as... Yeah, we're, um, let's just say we got plenty of interesting times ahead. But always fun. Always fun. Cheers. Cheers. Just started Mm. thinking of uh, Dumbledore at the end of the first Harry Potter movie. Another year gone. (laughs) And as as I understand it, the house cup needs rewarding. But hold on, let me cheat real quick. (laughs) (laughs) All the points to Gryffindor! (laughs) What the hell is a Hufflepuff? (laughs) They're particularly good finders. Um, gosh, that's... That that is an old... Really? I'm a Hufflepuff! (laughs) I just saw a bird! (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So, at the magic box, uh, we pick up, once again, right where we left off. Um, see, for people who don't understand, this is a common narrative trope to use 
to make sure that Anya is wearing this fire outfit for as many episodes as possible. Um, I just really love this outfit that Anya wears throughout the it, end of the it, season. It's a great outfit. It looks... Uh, it could... That high collar, the like the pants, all of it could go wrong so easily. Um, and she looks stunning in it. Yeah. And that like the high ponytail, it's all working. Um, the blonde. <laughs> Which Giles does notice. Um, so Willow recovers from Giles' attack, and she's like, uh-oh, daddy's home. <laughs> and uh, oh man. She Willow has some still she still has some of those kind of cringy villain lines this episode she does a lot of chewing the scenery especially in the first half yeah but it's it's not as much as the last episode and um and i just think it comes off better um but uh he uh you know, he, he keeps her down. With, uh, he is using magic. So just um, And everyone's like, what the fuck? He can't do that. Uh, but Anya, or Buffy notes, Willow notes, God damn it. Uh, one of these women. <laughs> um, oh, notes, are they all interchangeable in to one you? One of these interchangeable Jeez. women. <laughs> um, uh, one of the, actually, one of the strengths of the show is that the female characters are very much not interchangeable, mm-hmm. which is not always true of, of television. Um, but Willa does note that it's not his own power. It is borrowed power. Um, but he is able to bind her in some mystical energy. Um, it's really funny because, um, I remarked on, I actually thought that the binding spell on Willow looked pretty decent mm-hmm. CGI. Like, maybe some of the best that we've seen on the series. However, there's a later scene which I'm assuming we're going to save all the Spike stuff till the end. I think so, yeah. That uh, is very bad CGI, yeah. so I think they blew all their budget on this. Yeah. The, um, the other no- moment of like kind of bad CGI was the, um, the all the floating weapons. Um, yeah. Um, it didn't have, it didn't even have like the great line to go with it, like the bag of knives. Bag of knives. Um, so... With their, uh, you know, moment of reprieve, um, Buffy goes to hug Giles. He notes that her hair is shorter. Anya. It's really Anya. great because, like, since he's walked in, he's had this just stern face mm-hmm. directed only at Willow. But then he, like, the minute that he, like, talks to Buffy, he's just like, you cut your hair. <laughs> I just feeling some FOMO. <laughs> He's like, she's like, I'm blonde. Yeah, <laughs> my hair again. <laughs> so cute, and, and and yeah, and like they both hug him. Yeah, and well, you have and to think. What that... I love here is he initiates the hug with Anya. You know, yeah. I mean, clearly she's like wants it, but like he's the one who brings her in. It's just so sweet. Well, yeah, and it's like I'd argue that apart from Willow, it's he's hugging the two people that probably needed him the most. Yeah. Um, because he, he and Anya have become very close. Yeah. Um, and I, I love their dynamic. Um, so it's um, obviously the dynamic between Buffy and Giles is, you know, one of the most important on the show. And um, but the fact that Anya gets to be a part of that too is really mm-hmm. sweet. Um, and he even, even under the circumstances, he makes sure to tell Willow that he's sorry about Tara. That was such a good it's moment a because. Moment. You know, like, he has her bound, 
And, um, yeah, I very, uh, like, I love the fact that, like, that was the earliest opportunity he got. And yeah. he goes up and says, I'm sorry about Tara. Yeah. It's saying it as his, as British are wont to do. It's a, um, I don't. I don't have anything else. Yeah, to no. Add. It's, it's, sometimes I just. I do that sometimes, where I'm like, I try to yes and. I can <laughs> add something, and then I'm like, no, or that, not. That, that was that was a great place to end that thought. Um, so, um, he does take uh, Buffy uh, into the training room. He explains that he's been staying. Well, Buffy's like, did the Watchers send you? And he's like. Those idiots. <laughs> <laughs> After Willis said something fairly similar yeah. <laughs> earlier in, in the scene. Um, uh, oh, I can't, we, I can't believe we skipped over the cut to credits line, which is uh, she mentions him, him referring to her as a rank, arrogant amateur in the beginning of the season. Uh, and she says, well, buckle up, Rupert, because I've turned pro. And then just like her eyes go like full black. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, but, uh, no, Giles reveals that he was with a coven of powerful witches in Devon, in England, and they, uh, sensed, uh, the rise of this powerful, uh, dark magic in Sunnydale, and they imbued him with powers, and, um... I think, um, they also sensed Tara's death as well. Yeah. It seems like... Which is very interesting, like, just the connectivity of mm-hmm. that that implies amongst all witches. It's like, because, you know, Tara, she's not as powerful as Willow, but she was still a powerful witch. Yeah. So, I wonder if, like, you know, anytime, just like uh, Reek said in the last episode, how he could, like, feel her power from mm-hmm. a mile away. And so could Jonathan. He could sense yeah. it as well. Um, it's like, you know, you can, for, like, all the witches... And maybe even all magic users in general are somewhat connected. That's it. That's interesting. And that, that maybe mm-hmm. like a, a neural net. I like of, that. Yeah. Of magic. Magic net. Um, but uh, so Buffy does a Buffy does a previously on for Giles, and um, and uh, that includes uh, Anya and Xander's failed wedding. Um, her working at the Double Mute Palace, Anya becoming a vengeance demon again, uh, Don being a total klepto, and her sleeping with Spike. Which, um, when you watch all of that happen over the course of a season, it's quite depressing, it's quite dark. When you just list it all out yeah. in a row, it's kind of funny, uh, which Giles does. Um, uh, he starts to laugh, and that gets... Buffy laughing as well. I'd like to think, and I told Harrison this, I'd like to think that maybe that wasn't originally how the scene was supposed to go. And he and Anthony had tried to be as stone-faced <laughs> as he could, but Sarah Michelle Gellar just delivering those, like that, just those plot points so stone-faced herself that just like made him break. Yeah. And Sarah tried to like keep with the scene but then she just started laughing too. I'd like to think that that happened during a take and they're like, let's keep that. Well, and it's so like, I, yeah, it's done so well too. Like this could have gone so wrong. Giles could come across as really callous. Um, but 
it it just further cements that the type of relationship that they have. I uh, I, I, I love I love that when he starts laughing, he covers his yeah, mouth like, and <laughs> Buffy it's, first like just gives him this stare. Like, are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> so good. Um. Out in the magic box proper, um, Willow is telepathically uh, communicating with Anya. Um, uh, is trying to give her, uh, trying to get Anya to release her. Um, Anya's like, that mind control shit's not going to work on me. I'm a vengeance demon. Uh, right before that mind control shit works right on her. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I must not be affected because I'm the Slayer. Oh my God. <laughs> um, Still one of my favorite running gags. Right up there with the leprechauns. The leprechaun. <laughs> um, the, uh, in the training room, Giles and uh, Giles and Buffy are still laughing. Um, this time they're talking about the uh, events of normal again. Uh, nice callback. Uh, quite a dark episode and uh, some pretty horrific things happened in it. Glad we're having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing like exactly what we I do. Know. <laughs> Buffy and Giles should start their own podcast. You guys, listen to it. <laughs> um, but uh, he apologizes to her for leaving. Uh, he, um, she. Um, she says that she needed to grow up yeah. and start acting like an adult. But then, you know, Giles lays on probably one of the most truthful statements in this entire mm-hmm. episode. Sometimes the most important thing you can do as an adult is ask for help when you need it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's true of mm-hmm. even to this day. Yeah. So, um, if only Willow would listen. <laughs> um, well, she's hopped up on her. Honored magic drug. Um, Buffy does mention, uh, you know, she she's been struggling ever since her resurrection because she felt, you know, it was her time. She doesn't understand why she's back, you know. And this this part kind of bugged me, and it's going to continue to bug me um, next season because it's going to come up a lot. But she she mentioned Giles says like you have a calling, and she's like, but I was done, like. Someone else would have been called. And I'm like, no. Faith is... Yeah. Faith's there. Yeah, faith if is... she dies... Yeah, faith is holding the Slayer line at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Because Buffy actually was dead and no other Slayer was called. Right. <laughs> and this is like the sort of thing that's gonna... It comes up a lot in season seven. Like Buffy on multiple occasions it's like, if I die, a new Slayer. I'm like, no. It's not how it works. Why are we doing this? Um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> Jeez, Buffy, remember the continuity. You just know the rules, Buffy. Just, <laughs> um, you've been the Slayer longer than, like, almost anyone. <laughs> Ever. Um, however, this reunion is busted up by Willow uh, coming in, freed from her binds. She's got an, uh, what we thankfully later find out to be an unconscious Anya uh, held up by the neck. Um, the first time I watched the show, there I legitimately thought she had killed Anya. Um, Haven't you learned by now that Anya doesn't die in season finales? <laughs> Fair enough. 
Um, I still don't believe that they were that it, they, they ever intended to kill Anya in season, the season five mm. finale. It would just make no sense. <laughs> um, Apocryphal. Uh, but yes, she uh, Giles tries to bind her again, but she's like, uh, 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 fool me once, motherfucker. Um, they uh, Willow tosses Buffy to the side because she wants to fight Giles specifically. Um, she uh, she blocks, you know, she shows all the knives at him. He uses the training dummy to block them. Pretty smart. Um, and then he blasts her through the wall. Yeah. Um, they really said, fuck this set. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like the... Uh... Guys, this is the last time we'll be in the magic box, yeah. um, and you can tell. Like, very similar to how the uh, season three finale was the last time we were yep. going to be in the Sunnydale library. When they're done with the set, they are done with the set. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also like, uh, in this um, conflict that goes on for the first part of the episode mm-hmm. between um, Giles and Willow... Um, Giles can't use the same thing on her twice. Yeah. Like, he's able to tell her to, like, stay down. It doesn't work the second time. He's able to bind her. It doesn't work the second mm-hmm. time. It, uh, it makes me think of, um... Have you played Batman Arkham City? Um, I played, um... I played Arkham Asylum a little bit of it. That's the first one, right? Yes. Asylum. Yeah, I played a little bit of that years and years ago like when my brother got it um mm-hmm. but i'd never played city arkham but i do think they're all available i think all three of those games are available on switch now so i might yeah look into that arkham city has what many people argue is like the best moment in the entire the best fight in the entire series because um you do have to fight mr freeze mm-hmm. and there are multiple ways to do damage to him but you can't use the same way twice okay like if you um Say if you like uh, set a set like a plastic explosive um, to explode near him, he like immediately makes adjustments to his suit to where that won't work anymore. Mm. Oh, so cool. you have to um, basically use every single find a way to use every single technique mm-hmm. that you can, and um, it it's a really cool fight. Yeah. That and honestly, of, just an overall really good game. That kind of reminds me of the um, how the AI works in Alien Isolation. Um, it has a really sophisticated AI for the alien specifically, um, that like learns based on your behaviors. Um, and so like if the alien catches you, um, hiding under a table and you get away, it, it learns to start looking under tables. Mm. Um, if it kills you, it like, it resets to what its behavior was at the time of the kill but like you're if you're hiding in a cabinet and it hears you but you manage to get away from it before it can attack like it'll start opening cabinets it's um it's that's part of what makes that game so good is like is is like like how the how the ai can will catch up to your character if you're not careful Mm. um also it's just really fucking scary like (laughs) even me who is so jaded to horror is like well i mean you think that you're jaded to horror because of all the horror movies that you've yeah. watched, but put yourself into mm-hmm. the situation. Yeah. Like, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure you'd probably get the heebie-jeebies from stuff like Dead Space. I'm sure. Or even Resident Evil. Um, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, 
Sorry, this just makes me even more excited for when we get to watch Alien next month yeah, for the movie club night. Um, it is funny, though, that, like, stealth missions in video games are, like, my least favorite part of any... Like, every time I'm playing a Zelda game and I have to do whatever stealth mission, like, Ocarina of Time's stealth mission or whatever, I'm just like, fuck this. I hate this. And Alien Isolation is essentially a stealth mission game. <laughs> last um, like, oh last video game remark uh, in regards to that... Um, it makes me think of uh, Wind Waker when you first go to the fortress. Mm-hmm. Oh, that one. That's um, so the worst. I, no, no, like, I can understand being annoyed by it, but damn, the satisfaction that you have once you get the sword, you can finally kill all these guys <laughs> that you've been hiding from, kill all the moblins and stuff. I'm like, yes. Yes. This is great. Also, Wind Waker, just an amazing game. So good. Um, uh, while all this is going on, we, uh, we check in with Xander, John, and the duo. Um, they're walking down the street. They're like, where are we going? And Xander's basically just like, I don't fucking know. Like, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know where we're going. He's going into um, panic mode. Yeah, he's panicking hard. Um, he's, you know, he's calling himself useless, a coward. Um, and then, and Toss being a real fucking brat about it, too. She's like, well, Spike would know what to do. Well, in all fairness, she says that not knowing... Yeah, the what ha, what went down with Spike in seeing Red? Well, now she does. Yeah, because Xander says, "Yeah, maybe when she's not trying to rape your sister." Um, he did the moment. I understand. Uh, emotions are high. We say things uh, we don't always uh, often mean or mean to say. Uh, but that said, though, this was not Xander's information to tell. Um, really inappropriate. Um, but Dawn is like, no, I don't believe you. Spike would not do that. And yes, he would, Dawn. He is a bad dude. And And Xander goes on to say like, what is, it must be genetic that these Summers people have this blind spot for Spike. Which is, you know, obviously in the context, uh... He's referring to Don and Buffy, but I think he's also refer- referring to Joyce a bit, too. <laughs> it's true. I mean, you know, she was very... She didn't know all of the all of the wacky shit that Spike got up to, apart from, like, you know, the first episode that he's in. Yeah. Uh, is that School Hard? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was trying to make sure I had the episode title right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, she was more concerned about Angel. Yep. Um, speaking of Spike... Uh, I was going to say, speaking of Angel, um, Rupert Giles rocking the long oh, coat so that good. looked like he stole it out of Angel's wardrobe. They, the witches <laughs> teleported him to... He was like, can you drop me off first at the Hyperion Hotel in LA? And, you know, nobody's there nobody's because there. Angel <laughs> sunk in the harbor. He's like, he won't mind if I borrow this. Um, Gun's like... Who's this random white dude in the hotel? <laughs> nah, they're used to random white dudes in the hotel. <laughs> um, uh, over in this generic cave in generic Africa, um, no, we're not going to tell us a country or, you know, whatever. It's cool. Um, Spike finishes some test and then... Another, another, like, kill the monster test. Yeah. These tests are so... They're nothing. Like, bugs cover them. Okay. Yeah. So the problem with this is that 
it's all meant to conceal the twist. What, yeah, the the big season ending twist. Yeah. And you know, I guess like if it's your first time seeing it, the twist might be worth it. But you know, on a rewatch, you know what's coming. It's like, oh, this. It's is like the misdirection is really poorly done. It is well yeah. because part of the problem is and uh, that James Marsters was told that he was trying to get the chip removed. Um, so that's what he is acting. So when he's all yeah. like, the bitch is going to get what she deserves. It's like, make me what I was before. Yeah, And like, there's a world where that could be interesting, where Spike went there to get the chip removed. And then, it, then what happens to him getting his soul back? I don't know why. <laughs> We're not dancing. We don't have to dance around it. Was a twist for him as well. Like, that wasn't what he expected to happen. We that do, could we, be potentially interesting. But we do later time. find out that he went there with that right. intention. So it's just, yeah, it just... Also, it's just like, because we don't see these tests other than that one fight, we just see the aftermath of them. It just feels really easy. I'm yeah, just like, and, oh, okay. And, you know, I also... Uh, but at the same time, I don't want any more time with them. Exactly. Because there's so much other stuff happening. Right. So it's just all kind of... It, in some ways, I almost wish we had not seen any of this, and Spike had just been absent for a couple episodes, and then we we end can't have season. Spike absent for oh, episodes. I know he's all. We've talked before about obligatory Spike appearances, um, but it would be much more shocking if he was just absent until this final scene, and that's like I don't know. It it's not what we get. So, <laughs> um. Back in the magic box, which even the Buffy wiki here is noting has been almost completely destroyed. <laughs> um, Willow, um, Willow's pretty confident that Giles is can't fight anymore. Um, Giles tries to be like, "What do you think Tara would say?" And she just saps him. Um, that seems to be her response when people try uh, to. Uh, reach out to her emotionally. Just zap them. Because mm-hmm. um, she has no response to it. Like, um, she also uh, takes a fireball and uh, explains to Buffy that she can just send this off to kill Jonathan and the other one. <laughs> With- I do love at one point um, she... Uh- um, Giles says that I'm here to help you, and she's like, I can kill a couple of <laughs> geeks by myself. <laughs> no, you can watch if you want. However, <laughs> um, uh, Xander later uses a oh, not yeah. great, not great word. No, um, it's one of those ones that it hit. It just it hits you, and it's so, 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 so. Early two thousands, yeah. Like and... I, it's bad, but at the same time, I almost, I almost not. I don't want to. I mean, I'm faulting them for it because it's an awful word to say. But like, I know when I in that time I was thrown it around. Like, yeah, it was part of the ver- vernacular. Was, yeah, and... and it's it's like right up there with them. You know, unfortunately, people like using gay to uh-huh. refer to like people as like. Or it, things being like stupid or yeah. something like that. And do you remember those commercials where Hillary Duff is like t- explaining to people like don't say gay? 
I don't remember it's that. It's like... Of course, I didn't have cable when I was a kid, so I didn't have the Disney Channel. It was like... Um, I'm assuming this was on the Disney Channel. I don't think it was on... I don't remember where it was. Really? I mean, I guess I would assume that, like, you know, Hilary Duff's big thing was Lizzie McGuire. Yeah, so. I think this was, like, post-Lizzie McGuire. Okay. When she, more when she was into, like, her singing career. All right. But yeah, it's like, she's like, like, some girls in a, like, clothing store, and they're like, ew, that, that skirt is so gay. And then, like, Hilary Duff comes up and is like, hey... We shouldn't say gay to mean stupid. That's really hurtful and offensive. And it's like so like after school specially. It's um, so like um and now you look at a movie like Trainwreck where saying that's so gay is actually like yes, very gay because the uh for those who haven't seen it uh it stars um Amy Schumer and um she, she does it too, right? Yes, I believe so. She does um start off the movie dating uh, a character played by John Cena. It's actually very funny because he's unaware of how he says, like, how some of the things that he says, very Tobias Funke, he doesn't realize how gay some of the things he are saying. And, um, and like, you know, this guy's, like, giving him crap, and he's like, hey, man, you're being a real asshole. You know what I do to assholes? I lick them. <laughs> and, and, and this guy, like, doesn't know what to say, and so this guy's like, you know, whatever, man. I'll, I'll keep an eye on you, and I'll see you on the grinder. And he just walks away, and Amy Schumer's just laughing her ass off. She's like, that's okay. <laughs> I watched that movie in a minute. It's, I remember it being better. We saw it together. Did we? I, did we see I, his theaters? Birthday. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised at how funny LeBron James was in that he movie was really too. Funny. <laughs> um, isn't Brie Larson? It doesn't Brie Larson play like her sister? Yes. Um, and then like Tilda Swinton in her like least Tilda Swinton role, she's like the ditzy boss or something. That I don't remember. Oh gosh. Uh, and then like uh, you know Bill Hader. Yeah, uh, as well. I love Bill Hader. Well, yeah. Have great. you ever seen this? Uh, the Skeleton Twins. Is that the one we did with Kristen Wiig? Uh-huh. I haven't. Okay, so, Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig, you're gonna watch it thinking, oh, it's it's a comedy. Boom. It's one of the most depressing <laughs> movies I've ever seen. <laughs> it's very good, but, like, it is, it's, it's, it's a, it is a, it is a drama. Yeah. Um... I had that same experience when I watched um, Stranger Than Fiction with Will Ferrell. Oh, yeah. I what? went in going like, oh, it's a it's a movie starring Will Ferrell about a, like, his life is being narrated randomly by, like, a, someone writing a book about Emma him. Thompson. Emma Thompson. That'll be funny. And it is parts there of it. There are parts <laughs> of it that are really funny. But like, like, when he just randomly starts screaming, because, like, he keeps hearing Emma Thompson, like, saying the things as he does. It's like, stop it! Yeah. <laughs> but it's a pretty, like, it's a it's a pretty dark comedy. Yeah, it, it's, it really dives deep into existentialism. Yeah. Um, that is a friend of mine that uh, Harrison knows well, Alex Hall. That's his absolute favorite movie. That's his number one movie of all time. Great choice of an absolute favorite yeah, movie. Yeah, we, um, in fact, uh, us and our friend Michael Holiday, who I don't know if you've met. Yeah. Um, you have? Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. I'm, I didn't want to assume. <laughs> anyway, like one night we, uh, the three of us got together and we had an idea to do a triple feature mm-hmm. of our, of each person's favorite movie of all time. So for me, we did Singing in the Rain. Mm-hmm. For Alex, we did. Stranger Than Fiction, and for Michael, we did Weekend. Okay. The, um, I've not seen Weekend. The uh, the the gay drama, not mm-hmm. the um, not the older movie that's got a. 
I forget the actors, in it, <laughs> but this is like the the one that is like kind of like the. I don't remember who's the director on it, but um, I believe it is a director known for making queer, uh, queer stories. You know, I looked. I just googled weekend, and shockingly, it did not give me what I was like. Um, a British romantic film is that? Yeah, Andrew Hay. Oh yeah, that name's really familiar. He did. Um, oh, he just did all of us strangers. strangers. And, oh yeah, and he, and did, he did looking. looking. Okay. Yeah. That's that's the big thing that I remember. I've not watched Looking. Um, I watched the first season and and pretty delightful, actually. Um, one more suggestion for a movie that you go in thinking is going to be a comedy and is a lot darker than you expect. Um, this is one John and I watched uh, recently. Anna and the Apocalypse. Have you ever seen this? I haven't. Okay. So... Wait a minute, is that Zoe Saldana, or is no. that something else? No. Okay. It's, um, most of the actors aren't very well known. Um, uh, like, the most well-known actor is the actor who plays Thoros of Mir on Game of Thrones. Okay. The flaming sword guy. Yeah. Um, so Anna and the Apocalypse is a British Christmas... Hang on, hang on. Thoros of Mir, that's the priest... Oh, okay. The flaming sword guy was um, uh, not Barristan Selmy, but um, uh, Beric Dondarrion. Yes, is that right? Okay, because uh, I my thought was I also went to Barristan Selmy, and I was like, no, that's not right, because that's the dude who goes to, that, that, yeah, to that's that's old dude that leaves and goes to Daenerys, <laughs> but he's got a similar name. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. Um, so it was a British Christmas zombie. Musical. Wow, <laughs> that's a that's a lot. So you go in thinking it's going to be like wacky, over the top violence, pretty silly, and it is for about the first half. Uh, and it's still pretty dark in that first half, but then the second half takes a much darker tone, and it has a very bittersweet ending. It was very good. But John and I both were like, oh, that's exactly that's not what we expected. That's exactly how I felt about Shaun of the Dead. Like, I <laughs> I remember, like, everybody talking about how it's one of the funniest movies ever made. And, you know, I'll admit it was pretty funny in the first half of it. But honestly, like, you know, once people start dying off, I'm like, is, is this still supposed to be funny? Because it, it's, it's really heavy. <laughs> yeah, I think there's, like, a few funny moments in the latter half of Van and the Apocalypse. But, like... And it's like I really liked it, but I like I was like I told John I was like I need to rewatch that like knowing, knowing. what the tone is, um, stealing myself. <laughs> but um, but I have listened to the cast album several times. <laughs> the soundtrack is bangers um, and mash. So <laughs> um, so yes, Willow sends a. Ball of flame to attack Jonathan and Andrew yeah. and anyone else with them. It's so funny because, you know, as she was holding it, I was thinking like, oh, look at Willow uh, channeling her inner Wicked mm-hmm. Witch of the West. And then as she lets the ball go, she says, fly, fly my, my pretty. So like, you guys see what I did there? <laughs> um, but uh, Giles um, encourages Buffy to... Uh, to follow it, to rescue the others. Um, but that does leave Giles alone. Yeah. Well, 
Anya's like, you know, she's there, but she's <laughs> um, again for like yeah. the second time in half an hour. Um, I'm gonna need all of these people to go to the hospital after all this is yeah. done. Yeah, like you know, a, yeah, a CAT scan or whatever, MRI. Um, Willow is like throwing Giles like up and down against the ceiling and floor while lecturing him about. Uh, the use of magic. Um, and finally, she basically sucks all the magic out of him. She drains well, him. Well, because, because Giles is saying that she's being, um, that she's basically expanding all of her magical mm-hmm. energy just to keep her powers going and that she's going to burn out. Mm-hmm. And so that's pretty much what makes Willow decide to steal the powers of the coven. Yeah. And, uh, she... Starts wigging out. She, yeah, she... Ooh, excuse me. Um, at first she Was that a fruity burp? It was. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, because at first she's like, oh yeah, the high, man. And I just kind of rolled my eyes at that. But yeah, the, uh, the, the magic, as we mentioned earlier, really connects her with everything and she um she starts freaking out because she can feel all of the pain in the world um and it it over it completely overwhelms her and and i guess this kind of ties into since she's taking the magic from uh and you know we find out later that like giles wanted her to take that magic but i wonder like if that also is supposed to tie into this um emotional mystic neural net Mm -hmm. Um, I think so. Yeah. Because, um, you know, no minor spoiler, but there is a conversation between Giles and Willow in the season seven opener that where he kind of explains to her how magic, how all magic is connected and like through the earth and all of that. Um, it's going really back to my roots. Um, but yeah, she's like. These poor bastards and their pain, it's gotta stop. So that's not great. <laughs> um, the hardest thing to do in this world is live in it. Um, at the or at a cemetery <laughs> in Sunnydale, uh, they are uh, attempting to break into some crypts to look for hiding places. Um, however, they are stopped when Willow's fireball reaches them. Buffy gets there, but she, you know, all she's able to do really is, like, throw, throw, uh, well, she throws Jonathan and Andrew onto the ground, which makes the fireball miss, but it's still, like, you know, explodes. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a uh, hole in the ground that uh, Buffy and Dawn fall into, and Sander, poor guy, he, he gets thrown and hits his head on a tombstone. Yeah. It's, it, it's gnarly. Yeah. Um, he, um, the, the ground starts to, to buckle and, um, yeah, basically a a sinkhole opens up, essentially, um, Willow, uh, or Dawn falls in and, uh, trying to, trying to catch her, Buffy falls in after her, uh, as do, uh, the, uh, swords that Jonathan and Andrew brought with them. Um, so yeah, with all of their protectors, uh, unconscious or stuck in a hole, uh, 
Andrew and Jonathan decide to flee to Mexico. Yeah. Um, and that's more or less the last we see I, of them I have for to this say, episode. Like, this, is, this is, um, I feel like a disappointing end to their season six storyline. I agree. Because we don't see them again except briefly in the montage at the end of the episode yeah, where they're and, in a truck. Yeah, and it's like, it's like maybe that was the modus operandi for, uh, or, you know, that, that, that's wrong. The raison d'etre for, <laughs> uh, for Willow, um, in like, you know, two to go. And it just seems like that all kind of goes out like, use one of your favorite phrases, a wet fart. <laughs> it's like, oh, I guess, yeah, well, bye, Jonathan and Andrew. Yeah. There, yeah, now that Willow's goals have changed, there's, there's really no need for them yeah. anymore to be in the episode. Um, so, so that I get, but at the same time, it's just like, and oh, also they did like gone. nothing in this episode. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, you know, they were expressing, at least Jonathan was expressing regret in the last episode, mm-hmm. but you know, do a complete like 180 when they're like, oh, well, we, w- we want to live. So mm-hmm. let's run. Yeah. They did nothing this episode. In the pit. Um, I fell in the pit. <laughs> um, Don, Don starts interrogating. I mentioned to Jason, I was having a real up and down with Don in this episode. They were like, like, because she starts off this conversation in a real shitty way, in my opinion, where she basically is like, why didn't you tell me that Spike tried to rape you? And Buffy, after going, Xander... <laughs> Rightfully tells Don that it's not her fucking business. You didn't need to know, and I, I agree with Buffy on that front. Uh, can I like say that I kind of disagree with you on that? Okay. I guess I I realize that it's an incredibly personal trauma that she experiences, but I also, and maybe this is just my opinion. I I feel like if something like that happens to you, it is incredibly unhealthy to keep it just to yourself or to somebody that like isn't necessarily like and she didn't tell Xander Xander just kind of put it together like I mean I I feel like and you know this leads into her like her whole like oh I don't want to like protect you from the world I want to show you whatever but like it it feels that she needed to tell somebody and and like it I'm not saying that it had to be Dawn, but I feel like, I, I guess the, like, you know, the the betrayal that Dawn feels, I think is justified. And, you know, I, I apologize to anybody who has unfortunately ever experienced anything close to that type of um, occurrence. And uh, if I'm way off my base, I'm sorry. I guess I just, I... I feel that it would be more important to tell somebody. I don't disagree with you, but Dawn's not entitled to that information in the way she's she's acting like she should be. Okay, fair enough. I like I agree. It's healthy to talk about it, um, and you know it's it shouldn't be the sort of thing that you just bottle up inside. But that doesn't seem to be where Dawn's coming from. Well, um, I mean, also Dawn's three, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
However... Dawn's two. <laughs> to Dawn's wider point, I do agree with her that Buffy has to stop coddling her and shielding her because... She's not one year old anymore. Yeah, she, <laughs> she is a she's a thriving two-year-old. She's almost a full handle. <laughs> um, but, like, Buffy's attempts to protect Dawn from the world aren't working. You know, she sat for hours with the corpse of someone she loved, who she viewed as a mother figure. Um, you know, the the ship on protecting Dawn from the darkness of the world has passed. Um, she needs to be able to... to um, One would argue that it. when she was about to be sacrificed to open up a portal <laughs> into a bunch of different hell dimensions that... To destroy the Earth, yeah, that would be like the when the ship had sailed. Yeah, but well, you know. Um, so yeah, I I don't believe I I, don't, I think uh, I do think Don is wrong to act entitled and upset with Buffy for keeping that one specific thing from her. Um, but her wider point, I I agree with. I think she could also be. I think she would have a. It would be a fair point if she called out the fact that Buffy took took her to Spikes, knowing what he had done, um, which she did though, do. Did she? Yeah, oh, that's right. She did. You're right. I'm, yeah, um, because she, you know, Buffy at first is like trying to just climb out of the pit, and um, even like suggests like stacking coffins. Yeah, not a bad, and, not a bad, bad idea. Yeah, I mean, you are in a cemetery, and there are coffins in the dirt. I've been uh, I've been playing Lego Star Wars, and a lot of that game is stacking things on top of each other. Tr- <laughs> that is super true. Uh, but she does say, um, but you know, uh, and I think what leads into her like revealing, like you didn't tell me this, was when she's uh, Dawn says, like, I think this is similar to like underneath it's- Spike's crypt. Mm-hmm. We could try to find that, and Buffy says that's the last place that I'd want to go. And Dawn says, like, oh, but you felt fine sending me there after he tried to, yeah. after what he did to you. And that's what, what he tried she, to do to you. And then that's when, he, that's when she's like, Xander, god damn yeah. it. Um, the, uh, they are interrupted by Anya teleporting into the, uh, into the, the mass grave. Um, that... <laughs> Mass grave isn't the word I want there. That implies something else. I was using mass as like... Catacomb. Yeah. Um, And uh, she gives Buffy and... uh, Buffy and uh, Don uh, and Xander, who has come to um, at this time. Yeah. uh, Like, when they wake up, it's it's morning. Um, Like, they're saying, like, oh, Xander, go, like, find us a rope or something. And, like, are Jonathan and Andrew still there? And he's like, that's when he's like, no, I think they they skedaddled when uh, I was unconscious. I like that they're all immediately like, oh, they must have run away and not the other very likely option. Oh, Willow must have killed them. Willow killed them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's not relevant, so I get it. But it was just like, or Willow killed them, y'all. Like, that has been her goal. They don't know her. Her updated at schedule. this point i don't even think they care <laughs> <laughs> um but that's actually that's kind of a problem with the episode it feels like they just don't care after yeah. after jonathan and andrew are gone uh, jonathan and andrew and jonathan in particular ha- have been characters the whole season and they have had an arc and then they just kind of abruptly become plot devices in this yeah. episode 
Um, and for Andrew, that's like whatever. Like, he, uh, uh, you know, at this point in the road, he's a really minor character, uh, even outside of his role in the season. Um, but Jonathan has been with us since almost the beginning of the show. Yep. So that's a little disappointing on that end. However, um, uh, minor spoiler, this isn't going to be the last time no. that we see them. Um, if, you, if you ain't dead, <laughs> then we're probably going to see you again. If you are dead, we still might probably <laughs> see you again. Um, she Especially ex- next season. <laughs> she, uh, Anya explains that Willow is going to, to try to destroy the world. Um, she has gone to um, King Man's Bluff, uh, which we might remember as the spot where uh Angel... Oh, is that where Buffy got got a hold of the uh of the original Slayer? Or No, no, this is the spot in Amends where the climactic scene between oh, Buffy and Angel okay. happens. Cool. Which I have some thoughts about why they chose this specific location cuz I I don't see any thematic like sim well I guess that was Angel was trying to kill himself and Buffy talking him down. Which is not exactly a one for one. Yeah, Willow's trying to kill everybody, and um, but she's part of everybody. Yeah. (laughs) So um, she is going to raise the effigy of Prosperpexa, uh, which is was uh, was uh, there uh, and had been buried during the earthquake of. 43? Was that? 32. 32. Which I believe is the same earthquake that trapped the Master. uh, Oh, okay. And the same one that um, in Pangs that they, the 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 old mission. Oh, look at that Um, continuity. um, I I assume it's the same earthquake. It's Southern California. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It is resplendent with earthquakes. Um, she explains that, um, she's going to, uh, use this effigy, uh, to end the world, essentially, um, and that nothing magical or supernatural, um, including Buffy, can stop her, according to Giles. Um, Giles is dying, by the way. Yeah, she also explains to them that she's like, yeah, I have to get back to Giles, he's all alone, and she tells Buffy, like, I don't think he has a lot of time. Um, it does seem that his, um, this, I mean, he was pretty badly injured, but it seems that him dying is more related to Willow's magic. Yeah. Than, because once she stops, he seems to recover. And also he seems to know the, what Willow's doing mm-hmm. once she takes the magic from him. Yeah. So neural network. Xander um, hears all of this and uh, he leaves. Willow uh, senses Buffy um, and communicates with her magically, explaining to her that you know she's a warrior and she deserves to go out like a warrior. Um, and so she she does say like I I took you out of that grave. I'll put you back in uh, it though. Yeah, Ruth. <laughs> Um, earlier in the episode, wait, that, that was rude. That was rude. <laughs> Offense. <laughs> um, but yeah, she creates some like um dirt guys. So what this is giving 
is in the first Power Rangers movie when they're on like the planet where they're getting their ninja powers mm-hmm. from that hot lady who's an owl sometimes. Delcia. And they have to fight these like like golem golem type creatures that like come out of the walls. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what this always gives me. Alright. Um, I mean not to be Buffy confused. is giving Power Rangers occasionally. Confused. Not to be confused with the random ass like birds that Ivanus makes. Oh you want us to take another whack at it? How about taking another quack at it? Every time <laughs> I watch that movie, which is some regularity. <laughs> God, a, I haven't seen it in years, but I could probably still quote quite a bit of it. It's such a comfort movie. In a, and I, in, I like I watched the Turbo movie recently too, and then I was like. I'm having nostalgia, but it's not giving me the same comfort that the first one does. I'll never forget the first time I watched that because a uh, friend of the podcast, Ben Gerhart, huge Power Rangers fan. And um, I was actually sort of like in college going through Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. And I had just finished Zio. And uh, it was so funny because I was like, oh, I can't find Turbo online. Uh, this is before. Netflix had mm-hmm. the streaming service like right before Netflix yeah. had the streaming service and uh, and so Ben's like well of course I have it so he brought, he brought it over and we watched it in my uh, dorm room because we're cool we watched the Turbo <laughs> Power Rangers movie and it was so funny though because uh, when they go to like the planet where um, you know Jason and uh, Kimberly have uh-huh. been kidnapped or whatever yeah. and uh, like you know they were, um, you know, they're talking amongst themselves, like, oh, I don't know what to do. And Adam says, uh, oh, well, Zordon said that we'd be most likely finding this direction. And <laughs> Ben just randomly said, like, I don't remember Zordon saying that, Adam. I think you're full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I can't think of the Turbo movie without thinking of that experience watching it. I... For Power Rangers, for me, the most iconic moment is in the first one when a movie filled with iconic moments. That opening skydiving scene, like all that shit. The uh, rollerblading. Uh, dad rock soundtrack yes. to the max. But um, the fact that not only is Ivan Ooze defeated by being kicked in the balls, that's only topped by the fact that there's a specific button for that. <laughs> Oh my god. Brilliant. And then we'll say, I think I think the Power Rangers movie might be one of the reasons why I prefer the Sammy Hagar era of Van Halen over the <laughs> David Lee Roth. Oh my god! Because That's it the best in- sentence you've ever said. <laughs> I know I get a lot of shit from Van Halen fans because they're like, Ew, Sammy Hagar over David Lee Roth? What a bitch! Uh, but... Me, not not either of those musicians, but uh, no, because that that movie does end with the song "Dreams" mm-hmm. from their album Forty. Uh, it's it's a number album. Uh, hang on, but uh, no, I I legit like when I listened to um, I did li- I did listen through the entirety of Van Halen's discography. And it was actually like maybe a couple months before Eddie Van Halen mm-hmm. passed away. Uh, but um, 5150, uh, that had dreams, yes. But that also has like 
why can't this be love in it? Okay. And yeah, like I, I found myself just loving those songs, but I'm pretty certain as soon as I heard Dreams, uh, which is the song that ends the Power Rangers movie, I'm like, yeah, I'm digging this. I mean, yeah. Yeah, Panama, that's a great song. Jump, great song. But God damn it, do I love the songs on this album. <laughs> I love me some Sammy Hagar and... Power Rangers is probably one of the reasons nice. why. It's so funny how how like I mean what you watch influences yeah, your music. Those taste. are formative years, so yeah. obviously that's like that's the re- that's why they're called that. Um, but I mean, so much of my musical tastes, and I'm I'm musically illiterate. Like so many of those songs you listed, I was just like, yeah, I know that one. I um, I, I probably do know them. I do know Jump. That one I. Yeah, no, I know, but that, like, that might be their most popular song. Yeah, but like the other songs, I'm sure if I heard it, I went, "Oh, that song." But like, yeah, you know, do 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 Panama. Yeah, do, do, yeah, yeah. But um, you know, so much of my musical taste that like, or or, or in specific artists that I really like, I discovered through movies and TV, like um, Florence and the Machine. Um, I discovered either through Chuck or Community, mm. um, because. Both shows used Kiss with a Fist um, in a fight scene, <laughs> in fact. Um, for I don't remember which Chuck episode it is, but the Community episode, it's um, the first season Christmas episode, the um, when they're, the December 10th fight scene. You have to be really careful because it could go down like a rabbit hole of this, but I do want to say like one that... Uh, so I was aware of Jimmy Eat World, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, mostly due to the song The Middle being probably their most famous song of all time uh do you know that one Singer it just me. takes some time <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. but uh <laughs> and see that's what i'm talking about yeah. it's like you sing it i'm like oh that's yeah song, but i couldn't um, name it no no but uh the uh and you know that probably comes from my my musician and music lover mm-hmm. dad yeah uh but um in smallville season four the episode where clark and uh Lionel switch bodies Mm -hmm. you have the prison fight that starts and I just remember hearing that song and thinking that it was like just like just a fucking awesome banger before people use the word banger to describe (laughs) songs and it was um it was pain by Jimmy Eat World from their album Futures I then like listened to that album and I'm like holy shit I love Jimmy Eat World it was great uh, I'm, I'm not going to name the singer, although I'm, I, I know I have before, but um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let that the percolate into next season because another one of my favorite artists um, I discovered when they performed uh, in the Bronze in a season seven episode of Buffy. Um, and I was like, oh, I really like this, this particular singer. And I think just across the board, the musicians they got to perform in the bronze like a lot of really cool interesting um musicians but this one in particular i was like i went out of my way to like find more of her work and mm-hmm. i oh, i said her i was it's amy man i i, I gave <laughs> up on my uh <laughs> so anyway. i still i still love that amy man is a guest on a rush song oh yeah it's fantastic she's great um, and also in the big lebowski <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Buffy tries to fight off these uh, kind of earth creatures. However, um, they just, every time she kills one, more appear. She's over um, outnumbered. 
So she asks Dawn to help her. Aww. Yeah, it's a really good moment. Um, and yeah, she does, she's doing... Um, she does a great job. And when she like she decapitates one and... After doing a roll to, yeah. avoid, to avoid it. And, you know, Buffy at first is like thinking that she needed to help Dawn. She just like looks and like aghast and uh and Dawn's like you think I never watched you yeah this is uh I just I I know we struggled with Dawn's arc this season it really felt a lot of the times the show really struggled with how to handle Dawn Mm -hmm. um uh and I think here I think this is a great moment it feels like allowing both Buffy and the writers allowing Dawn to grow up yeah, and is it feels like they're like okay now we've got a handle on her again because I love season seven yeah, Dawn yeah like so the klepto as as Buffy refers to it it's unfortunate it's a side effect of just Dawn's abandonment mm-hmm. um, excuse me because obviously she gets abandonment from Buffy being dead mm-hmm. but even when Buffy comes back to life in Buffy's whole process of trying to get back from that she's still like. There are times that she just completely disregards Dawn, which, you know, pisses her off. Like in the episode where Buffy turns invisible. Yeah. Um, Willow gets, like, deep into the the magic that, like, and gets addicted to it. And, you know, Dawn gets hurt as a result mm-hmm. of that. And so that's abandonment from her. Tara leaves. She feels abandonment from mm-hmm. that. So, yeah, she's felt like... She has been literally abandoned by her deadbeat father yeah like yeah and now like and now um you know did you spike mention, leaves town spike leaves out did you mention giles leaving i didn't because yeah like yeah girl no. has gone through it yeah it, yeah everybody is left and like she even mentions how um you know i'm i'm living in a world where uh like people that i love keep dying mm-hmm. and so it's a good moment very similar to how we were talking about Willow's turn to Dark Willow. Mm-hmm. It's a good moment in spite of the fact that the story wasn't as good leading up to it yeah. as it could have been. Yeah, the thread leading to it was was a little yeah. rough. Yeah, um, that's kind of like, I think the theme of these last few episodes is an um, uneven se- season ending on a strong note. I agree. Um, so Willow begins her, her ritual, um, but Xander arrives, um, he... Xander's finest hour. Yeah, he gets between, uh, Willow and the, um, the effigy this, this getting literal gave, zapped. This, this scene gave me the feels. Oh, yeah. Um, and he, he tries to, um, he tries to reach you know he tries to get through to there he appeals to their friendship she you know he tells her the world's gonna end you know you've been my best friend my entire life that's not changed where else would i be when the world's gonna end and she um she starts lashing out like physically lashing out because yeah. as i mentioned earlier when 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 she's when her someone is trying to appeal to Willow and not the rage and not the magic. She has no response to it other than to lash out physically. And so like, she magically like scratches his face and his chest. Um, she zaps him a couple times and he, 
and it gets it's her attacks get noticeably less powerful every time she does it um yeah. and he's able to get closer and closer um and he gives the famous yellow crayon speech um where he reminds her of a time in their childhood where she was the first day of kindergarten um which uh she broke a yellow crayon and she she cried because she was afraid she was going to get in trouble for it and he explains i I love yellow crayon breaking willow i love veiny willow i love you no matter what and um finally he's able to get close enough to embrace her she's like beating on his chest and then she finally just bursts into tears and collapses to the ground and he just holds her the veins disappear her hair goes back to red yeah it's 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 really powerful it's beautiful and i mean you know it's it's another thing that is um that uh you know we haven't had a lot of xander and willow storyline throughout (laughs) this season but uh you know xander's feelings of inadequacy and um unable to do anything and always doing something wrong uh we've seen that especially in these last couple of episodes and this is like a great way to bring that bring that home yeah and And it uh, feels so earned it does because you know you have to think is there another character that could have had this this interaction with willow the way that it went no no there isn't no tara yeah and she did uh, yeah girl did tara is the only other person who like you know willow and buffy obviously are super close but they've not had the history the 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 longevity that willow and xander have had i mean there's a reason that willow was chosen to be xander's best man at the wedding yeah um so um yeah like you know xander comments on how far she's come since breaking that yellow crown (laughs) look how far xander has come Mm -hmm. i mean this is arguably the most annoying character from the first couple of seasons and not necessarily nicholas brendan's fault but i mean the writers kind of put him that way it's like oh yeah well i'm i'm the dude i'm overprotective of my uh of my female friends i make all the i make all the dumb jokes and stuff and uh even though dark willow does comment like still making jokes yeah (laughs) um no it's 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 honestly bit it's gonna sound crazy coming from me (laughs) but it has been a delight to see this development Mm -hmm. of xander um especially in I'd argue like season five maybe mm-hmm. might be like his best chunk of development. I agree. And uh, particularly after the replacement. Yeah. Um, that was a really good episode for him. Mm-hmm. Um, also just props to Nicholas Brendan for this scene. Um, yeah. I think it's a series best performance for him. Yeah. So, so this, this, is, this is like, I believe this is Xander's finest hour. Yeah. I mean, he's got, he's got moments in season seven, but I don't think anything that comes after this compares to mm-hmm. how good he is character and acting wise in this scene yeah um, and he saves the world <laughs> it, it makes giles laugh he's like sanders saved the song yeah. um so yeah giles does um 
does wake up. Uh, Anya explain he explains to Anya that he intended for uh, Willow to take that magic because despite how strong it made her, it also would help her tap back into her humanity, allowing Xander the chance to reach her. Um, and I, I do think Giles, I think that's a test. I do think Giles anticipated that it would be Xander who'd be able to reach, get through to her, um, which I think that that's that just goes to show how how tuned, how finely attuned to this group's dynamic Giles is. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really particularly like Xander. <laughs> um, he does recognize that if anyone could, it'd be him. Um, we do... I, it was funny earlier that we skipped over this, but there's a there's a bit where Anya's talking to Giles and he's she's like, it was, it was good of you to teleport all the way here, but... In retrospect, maybe it, maybe it would have been better if <laughs> you didn't give Willow all those magic powers. Yeah, um, yeah, big gamble there, Giles. But yeah, worked out. And it is funny that uh, Anya like says Xander did this. Yeah. <laughs> that dipshit. Yeah. So um, you know, maybe that could be like a yeah. not necessarily say that I'll push them towards getting back together, but maybe it'll maybe be a step like, to healing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that combined with uh, the conversation that they had last mm-hmm. episode too. Um, the earth creatures in the in the in the catacombs disappear. Um, Buffy starts to cry some happy tears. I really don't like this. I like what comes after, but the brief moment where Dawn goes back to bratty teen and she's like, "Oh, of course you're you're sad. The world didn't end because I I could have done without." It, it felt like well, they regressed her for, like, a second. Well, here's the thing, though. She has that line, like, Buffy has the line, did you think I wanted the world to end? And Dawn says, like, well, didn't you? Because that is kind of what Buffy's been about this season. It's yeah. like, maybe not necessarily wanting the world end, but definitely not wanting to be alive again. Yeah, and I get that, but... I don't know. It felt like by Buffy handing her the sword and the conversation they had earlier... And working together felt like it had healed those. Yeah, she's still Dawn. She's still, like I said, <laughs> I'm down with her. But no, no. But Don Buffy explains to Don she doesn't want to protect her from the world. She wants to show it to her. And then we get um, we get a montage of uh, Buffy helping Don crawl out of the grave. Um, Obviously, very symbolic. That yeah. How the as you mentioned at the beginning, yeah, like. Buffy comes out of the grave, but I mean, even though she wasn't dead, she comes up and she's like looking at the world, like mm-hmm. she wants this world to. Yeah, she wants to be alive in this world with yeah. her sister. The season began with Buffy alone, having to dig herself out of her own grave. It ends with her not alone, um, crawling out of this grave in this into the sunlight. Um, it's it's uh, it's good it's good symbolism. Yeah, and, it makes um, me think of, um, I guess, uh, spoilers for uh, recent episodes of Doctor Who, um, how, uh, you know, David Tennant's Doctor, like, the first time that he regenerated, mm-hmm. he was alone in the TARDIS. Yeah. And um, he, had, he you know, after he's, like, going to regenerate again, and, um, and like, uh, you know, uh, you know, Donna and Mel run up to him and say, like, well, he's not going to die alone. Mm-hmm. And, um, I love that. It, yeah. And like, and you know, he, his last words aren't, 
last words. Yeah. I'm not going to spoil all of it for you, but his last words are, uh, I don't want to go. It's Allons-y, let's go in French. So um, I'm so excited for the possibility uh, because she apparently will be, Mel will be appearing in more episodes. Um, I, I just love that Mel's getting a second chance as a, as a character. Yeah, because I, I, I'm not going to lie, I, I hated her character. Yeah. <laughs> In the she, in the sixth and seventh Doctor seasons, she is her scream uh-huh. was the worst. When you when in the you, world, she is one of those companions that when people talk about the classic series stereotypical screaming companion, I mean, you point at her and like right. it ain't wrong, it ain't wrong. Um, Stereotypes are based on truth, but um, but at the same time, the actor is really good, and so and I, and there's potential for the character. So I. I'm excited to yeah, see yeah, and how, it, and where they take this character. She, she was really delightful in that episode, too. Um, so, uh, elsewhere in the montage, uh, Jonathan and Andrew are in a truck. Uh, Anya is helping Giles through the rubbish... Uh, the rub, rub... No. Rubble. Rubble. <laughs> the rubble of their, you know, employment and... <laughs> Uh, establishment. Establishment. Um, Boy, words are rough for you right I'm now. Am <laughs> I drunk? That's <laughs> uh, why you have to drink water. <laughs> um, and uh, Xander continues to comfort uh, Willow. Uh, the song that plays is uh, The Prayer of St. Francis, uh, sung by Sarah McLaughlin. Um, I, uh, speaking of music that. Um, when I heard the song, I was like, this is beautiful. And I went and I downloaded it and I still have it, uh, as well as, um, oh shit. What's the name of the, the other Sarah McLaughlin song that ends season two? Um, oh, I forget. Oh shit. It's, um, I have to look it up now. Uh, Becoming part two song, uh, full of grace. Okay. Um, it's a lot of a works a lot of Christian stuff in her in her lyrics. Yeah, she does. Yeah, um, I mean that's an existing prayer. Um, yeah, but, no. Like uh, when I was hearing it, I, when I was hearing the lyrics, I was like, oh, I, I know this from like uh, going to Catholic <laughs> mass as a kid, and particularly like the song "Make Me a Channel of Your Peace," mm-hmm. and it has those same words. Yeah. Then, but yeah, you're right. She like um, in the arms of the angel, mm-hmm. or whatever that song's called, the sad dog one. Um, uh, anyway, uh, I, I love. I think this is really pretty, and um, it's a it's a successful montage for me. Yeah, um, and that's where we leave everyone in Sunnydale for the episode and for the season. However, we do uh, we an had, arguably happy ending. Yeah, I would. I would say that. I, you know, I go through the season finales and which ones would be good endings for the show and which ones would be bad. Season one finale, if that had been where it ended, that's a good ending. Season two finale would be a terrible way to yeah. end the show. Season three would have been a good ending. Season four, no. Season five, I've already said I actually don't think it would have been a very good ending for the show, even though it feels like one. And it was originally going to be yeah. one. Um... And then season seven obviously is the end, and I think it's a very good ending. Um, But season six is a weird one, because it wouldn't be the most... I mean, if it weren't for this cliffhanger, like, disregarding this cliffhanger, 
for the rest of it, I don't know if I would be satisfied. No, 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 no. Like, I mean, it's it's a proper way to end the story now. Yeah. But there needs to be some fallout. Yeah. Um, and part of that fallout will involve Spike because we we end the season on him. He has uh, successfully endured all of his off-screen trials. Um, he's beaten and bloody, and uh, uh, so he he tells the demon to give him what he earned, so that he can quote give Buffy what she deserves. The demon then gives Spike his soul. Da-da-da. End. Yeah. Um, what do we think about this? I think we already kind of talked about yeah. it, how, um, you obviously don't see the, like, the actual effects of him having a soul until next yeah. season. I don't even think that's a spoiler. I think that's something that yeah, like... you know is going to happen. Uh, but, um, yeah, it, it, all the stuff leading up to it, and, um, I also... I also very much dislike this uh, for the reason that um, I remember like a friend of mine in college as I was watching through Buffy and Angel, um, we would get into the classic argument of, uh, oh, Buffy and Angel versus Buffy and Spike. Mm-hmm. And she would always make the argument that, uh, you know, oh, well, you know, Angel was cursed with his soul. Mm-hmm. Spike sought Sp- his out. So yeah, Spike sought too. his out and fought for it. So... Um, for whatever reasons, uh, I was about to say, like, for specific reasons that you find out later on in season mm-hmm. seven. Won't go into that now. And I'm like, yeah, but you're also kind of ignoring, like, big thing, like, yeah. basically everything about season six. Yeah. Uh, but yet, and like, it's, I saw this post, and maybe it's not the, the right comparison to make. But I I remember seeing it like seeing it recently saying everyone has the right to try to better themselves mm-hmm. after doing something terrible and seek forgiveness. Mm-hmm. But the people who are wronged have the right to not forgive you. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, like the fact that a lot of people use this occurrence to say like, oh, this is like clearly. Spike being a morally better character than Angel. Um, first of all, don't talk about my boy like that. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, it's yeah. it's used to. I don't know. At, at this point in the story, it makes you feel like, oh, this is going to be, uh, like, oh, this makes up for all the stuff yeah. that he did in this past season. And it and it doesn't. Yeah, it's very. And it's, it, it's, it, it makes you like. It makes you want to sweep everything else that happened mm-hmm. under the rug, and like, even if you set aside the sexual assault, which you shouldn't, yeah. you still look at all the like, how shitty he and Buffy were towards each other. Yes, yeah. Buffy's not innocent in this regard, but at the same time, like you know, Spike is also not innocent. Yeah. I do think people, and it, I do think people get caught up in the morality of it when we're talking about something that has no real life comparison you know we're you know we're talking about magic and like people without with and without souls and i do think that complicates the narrative a bit um 
And, but I, I, yeah, the idea that now that Spike has a soul, maybe he can start to seek redemption for what he did. And, and maybe Buffy will forgive him. Maybe she won't. We'll see. But, yeah, the idea that the soul magically... I mean, look, I was about to say that the idea that the soul magically makes him a better person. It literally does magically make him a better person. But, uh, or gives him the capacity to be a better person. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that doesn't erase the things he did and the harm that he caused. Yeah, and and also just, as we've said a couple times now, this whole trial storyline that he's been doing there's like literally it's all it's all a misdirect yeah and there's so little of it mm-hmm. that it almost feels like why would you even do it yeah like it, it feels like all it does i mean even in our recaps we're just like we're gonna put all the spike stuff like at the beginning yeah. get it out of the way because the stuff that you care about is going on unless mm-hmm. you're just a huge spike fan the stuff that you care about is going on in sunnydale yeah um, well, that was season six. That was grave. Um, we will, uh, we'll, you know, we'll obviously get our feelings out about the whole season in our uh, in our, our our season recap. But mm-hmm. uh, what are your thoughts on Grave, Jason? There are um, very slight criticisms, which I've already brought out. Mm-hmm. Basically, the Spike stuff. Yeah, and. Um, the treatment of Jonathan and Andrew, but I think everything else is incredibly solid, mm-hmm. and I think it's just as good, if not better, than the last episode. So yeah, I'm gonna give it the same score I gave the last episode, four point five out of five. Yeah, not perfect, mm-hmm. but there's just a lot of great stuff in it. Yeah, this is the first season or yeah season finale of the show that for me isn't just a slam dunk five star episode like prophecy girl becoming um graduation day um restless restless and the gift are all in my opinion five star episodes mm-hmm. like they are pitch perfect finales um and and but yeah grave is like, it's still really good but it is it is a bit of a noticeable noticeably less well-oiled you know those other episodes just have a an energy and a like you know every single thing matters you know there's no wasted space and there i can see some of the air here um but it's still really good I, i wonder if um you know Sorry to bring up Joss Whedon, but we really can't I not mean, bring him up. But, like, I mean, you have to think that those other... Like, Joss Whedon was, like, obviously the main creative voice of those first five seasons. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how this season he kind of took a step back. Yeah. And Marty Noxon... Was showrunning, yeah. What was showrunning, along with, like, probably heavy contributions from Jane Espenson mm-hmm. and um, probably James the A. Connor. Um, and, uh, yeah, so this felt more like... More like a season done by committee. Mm -hmm. And you can obviously feel it in just how different it is from the other seasons. And maybe that's why the finale doesn't seem like a slam dunk. It's not part of like one vision. So it doesn't have the continuity that and conclusion and 
wrapping up yeah. that um, the other finales had. Yeah. I also would say just... Not saying that it's like... Not saying it's not that this bad. Season, yeah, it's yeah. not bad. It's still a really good episode. 4.5 out of 5 for me. Yeah. Is, it's still yeah. a little just... It's It doesn't... It's not quite cohesive. Yeah. In the way. Um, I will also say that... Uh, I. Well, we're, and we're really going to see this some, in parts of the next season, but, you know, we're six seasons into a run. I think, I think people are tired. Like, you know, I think, um, and that's not a criticism. I mean, like, creatively, like, that six years on one show can wear you out. Yeah. Um, especially a show like this. Honestly, um, how Mariska Hargitay is still going on SVU, I'll never know. Right. Um, she's been on that for, like, 20 years, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure other like other castmates have come and gone, but yeah. Olivia Benson is still doing her thing. Yeah, that's one of those shows that I'm like, will that show go until she decides she's done? Um, which is what I thought was going to happen with Grey's Anatomy for a long time. It's like once, uh, what's her face, um, Meredith? Yeah, I can't remember the actors. Ellen, Ellen Pompeo. Pompeo. I was like, once Ellen Pompeo decides she's done, that's when Grey's will end, and apparently not. No, I believe it was this last season. <laughs> I think like so. she, she went away, but they're still, yeah, they're still doing that, and I think it's still got its spinoff as well. What spinoff? Station. Oh, that's right, the firefighter one. Yeah, because um, there was this. The, well, there the original spinoff was, was Private Practice, Practice yeah. uh, about uh, Doctor Addison Montgomery, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, Station Eleven. 19? Station? I think that's right. Station 11 is a miniseries about apocalyptic dystopian. Uh, But Station 19 is the spinoff of Grey's Anatomy. Okay. So, (laughs) alright, we've got Law and Order, we've got the Chicago's, we've got Grey's Anatomy, we've got Doctor Who. Any other long-running franchise? Power Rangers. Any other long-running franchises that we need to touch on? Boy, we really, really (laughs) did, like, go through the ringer of... uh, I mean, that didn't even include us talking about the, uh, like, we didn't even record our conversation that we had right before doing this about, like, the must-see Thursday. Oh, that's right. <laughs> um, uh, did you see my post that I shared? Um, someone had posted a screenshot from, from of Doctor Who from um, uh, Day of the Moon, I think. It was one of the two-parter that started Series 6 of the revised show. Yeah. And was like called it this old episode of Doctor Who. I did, and see I was that. like, "What we're not gonna do yeah. is call this an old episode of Doctor Who." And then Josh O'Brien, you bitch, um, love you if you're listening, uh, commented, "This episode's 13 years old." I was like, "No, it's like five years old." <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. Uh, anyway, so I'm also. But I mean, you know, there's like. All Doctor Who fans should agree on the old episodes are Doctors 1 through 7. Uh Uh-huh. The new episodes are Doctors 9 through whenever. Yeah. Do not be calling any of the new Who an old episode. Well, I know that Disney Plus is going to be series 14. They're going to be... I've heard. I don't know if this is true. They're going to be labeling it as season 1. So I think the idea is that we're in like... We're in, like, the original era, revived era, and I guess this is a new era, which I disagree with personally, and it feels like an attack, but whatever. We'll see. Um, come Sorry. at me, Disney. What? Don't come at me, Disney. Please don't come at me. What is your... Uh, you can't afford for I can't Disney afford that. to come at you. 
what what was your rating? I'm sorry. Uh, I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it a four and a half as well. All right. Um, it's just a really good episode, despite some 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 issues. Um, it, it those issues really aren't enough to bring it down too much for me. Um, so yeah, uh, that is grave, and that is season six. Yeah, we uh, did it. We did it. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> we still got. We did it, Joe. <laughs> still got to do our recaps. Yeah. Uh, uh. All right, take us out. Okay. Uh, thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week for our season recap. Uh, I can't. It's been so long since we done one. Do we do like both the Angel and the Buffy yeah. season? All right. Yeah. We'll yeah. Do it so all our way. our recap of season three of Angel and season six of Buffy. Yeah. Uh, I'm Harrison. You can find me on ha- on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's C O F F M A N. It's so like you're about to say like I'm Harrison. You can find me on Ham. <laughs> <laughs> you can always find me on ham. <laughs> and then I just pictured you sitting on a piece of ham. Like, oh look, I found Harrison. Like, okay, would you say a piece of ham, like a slice of ham, or just like like the whole ham? In my like, in my head like, it was a slice of ham. Okay. But um, you know, if you found like a big enough like yeah. thing of ham, then yeah, sure, a yeah. ham hock. Sit these juicy hands on, down on the ham. <laughs> I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at yummyj357. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy. Or you can email me. Email us. Oh, apparently. <laughs> Booze and Buffy is just Harrison now. You can email me. What a way. <laughs> what a way to like just say, oh, you're fired. <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh. At boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out A-N-D. And don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Isn't it so condescending how we spell the word and every week? Well, I mean, I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna lie. If if we didn't, like, I would think that people would just assume that it's booze oh, ampersand Buffy. No, no, I know, but it's less. Of, it's not the saying that the and is spelled out. That should be enough. It's that we continue on and be like, and that's spelled A. I, I think I was the one who started that off. Um, I never thought of it that way before. That's so funny. I don't know why this has tickled me so much. Probably because you just fired me. <laughs> oh, Jason. you Freudian slip fired me. Jason, on your performance review, I've noted that you keep condescendingly spelling the word and to our listeners, and that will not. Is this the exit interview? <laughs> Is the season six episode the exit interview? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Would it be so funny if we started season seven? <laughs> Just like a random ass person. <gasps> That's a good idea. That's a prank. <laughs> but now I've said it, so the prank doesn't work. Yeah, good job. All right. Uh, anyway, each week we like to give a shout out to worthy charities and nonprofits and causes. Um, season six has dealt with a lot of really heavy issues. Um, depression, uh, suicidal ideation, um, sexual assault, um, you know, abusive relationships, uh, you know, even though it wasn't handled particularly well, uh, drug addiction, um, you know, addiction in general, um, you know, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of really, really serious issues. And, you know, we've had some laughs along the way, but like, you know, it's still been a heavy, heavy ride. So, you know, I would just say all of those, you know, 
you know, try to support, you know, if you know someone who's going through a tough time, you know, maybe help them find the help that they need. If you yeah. need help, you know. Be, be aware of uh, the resources like um, Suicide Hotline or... Suicide uh, Hotline. The Trevor affor- Project yeah, is a great affordable one. Affordable Therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, obviously you can make donations to women's shelters. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of issue. We, we And we constantly talked about how these characters needed some serious therapy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, like maybe start a... Maybe start thinking about like people who might need that in your life, mm-hmm. and uh, like see that as a viable option and like you know a safe option. Yeah, as opposed to like therapy was often like you mm-hmm. know stigmatized. Talk- yeah, stigmatized. Uh, but yeah, it's very healthy. Yeah. All right, go slay, be gay, do crime. No, do crime. No, do crime. Stop. <laughs>